When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.03 SENZ in the mornings. Marina, to you uh, all around New Zealand, wherever you are listening. A very busy uh, show this morning, but uh, one that we want to include you in greatly. So uh, just after uh, the sermon coming up, we will be speaking to Stephen Olker. Of course, uh, he is perhaps the hottest golfer Going around at the moment, if you look at all the tours around the world, uh, he's the winningest golfer. He just keeps doing it every week and uh, is making a, a fair quit at, at it as well. So uh, Stephen Olker in a very good place and we'll be speaking to him very shortly. Uh, 9.27, uh, we're going to open up the lines uh, for you. Uh, we've got a hot topic today uh, in terms of our Mount Rushmore. We're going to say the four greatest league players of all time in your thinking, the four Greatest league players, rugby league players of all time. So uh, you can get us on 0800-150811 or 8833, 0800-150811, 8833. Now, uh, our caller, caller of the day, which will be um, adjudged, adjudged by uh, producer Logan Swinkles, uh, he'll be getting or she will be getting 50 bucks worth of product or $50 voucher from Chemist Warehouse, a $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher Pretty good for Mother's Day coming up around the corner, fellas, if you want to dial in, or ladies. Uh, absolutely, a good Mother's Day promotion. So for the Chemist Warehouse, a $50 voucher is available. If you get on the line and Logan Swinkles thinks your call is the best between uh, around about uh, 9.27 and, uh, uh, say, uh, I don't know, 9.45, we'll give you a 15, 18-minute window uh, there. And we're going to run that, uh, continually run that through the show uh, for a while too. Chemist Warehouse, thank you very much for your help there. Uh, also, uh, we'll be talking to Murph, uh, Greg Murphy, just after 10 o'clock. Yep, it's confirmed Murph will be back at Bathurst, so uh, he'd be pretty excited about that. That uh, has been mooted for quite some time, uh, but it, it's just a case of uh, just a case of him confirming it. Well, now it's official. Ross Carl, Sam Ackerman uh, in the panel straight uh, after uh, 10.20. Uh, and then we'll come through to uh, some netball just after 11 o'clock with Helene Wilson, of course, the head coach for the Northern Mystics. They are leading the competition, and they look the side to beat, no doubt. 11.20, catch up with an old mate of mine, Jeremy Coney, uh, because we've got a very important announcement to make uh, on the show just after 10 o'clock, uh, and Jeremy Coney will be a part of it, and then Mount Rushmore at around 11.40 this morning. Yeah, your four great league players of all time, a whole lot going all the way back, the immortals, the lot. That is the subject of the day on double eight double three or 0800 150 811. Sport is our religion, and here is Smithy's Sermon. 
But now it seems the Black Ferns have a plan in terms of structure and culture and leadership. It might be time for a rugby strategist to look at the bigger issue. Just who's going to be playing the game in the next 10 to 20 years? What will playing numbers be? What will secondary school rugby look like? Without a strong base at that level, clubs don't have a feeder system. Colts sides disappear, and without Colts sides, there is no future for rugby clubs. Take my patch, for instance, the Bay, home of the Ranfurly Shield. I have a mate who's a deputy principal to a co-ed school for the first time in 42 years. 42 years has not been able to field a rugby team at all. In Napier, only one school can field a first 15 rugby team by itself, Napier Boys High. The rest have to combine numbers to get a team on the park each week for those kids who in those schools want to play rugby, and they're dwindling. The once proud times of college day here, when they all wanted to come together and play on McLean Park, the hallowed turf, is just a distant memory. When it did, the alarm bells should have been ringing then. They should have taken notice at that point. Truth is, they wouldn't be allowed to play on McLean Park these days. Time and use against cost studies would reveal it to be the biggest waste of money in the whole province over an annual period anyway. But I digress. Maybe it runs deeper than rugby. Cricket is probably worse. So do kids want to play sport for New Zealand anymore? Do they want to wear the silver fern? They say that basketball, for instance, is growing against this trend. But realistically, how many kids that bounce a ball on the way to school or shoot hoops in the break actually want to be tall blacks? Or more importantly, actually believe they can crack the American college system en route to the NBA. On the rare occasion you are part of a crowd at sport these days, take a look around at the demographic. Are the teens and the early adults there in numbers? If not, the issue is even greater. The future doesn't want to watch the present. There can't possibly be a viable future. Can there? Great finish there for Stephen Alker. What a performance. Boom, Stephen Alker, a winner again as he captures the 2022 Insperity Invitational. Just the latest, just the latest. Uh, amazing performance by Stephen Alker. For me, anyway, the hottest golfer on the planet at the moment because if you look across all the world golf tours, and there are plenty of them, folks, no one is in contention at the top of the leaderboard like this bloke, this Kiwi bloke, every week. The hot run continues. Yes, that uh, was the last part of the Asperity Invitational out of Houston. Uh, it was a tournament uh, that Stephen Elka uh, won. He had in the last three weeks, he's won two and lost one in a playoff as well. I mean, you just simply, you just simply have to admire his form at the moment. And it's great also that he's uh, managed to find just a little bit of time to, to give us uh, his thoughts this morning. Stephen Elka... Uh, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Smithy. Appreciate uh, appreciate all that, mate. No, it's amazing, Stephen. I mean, you know, we keep saying it, uh, but it just it just continues to happen. And whatever theory you've got, or whatever uh, recipe you are unfolding here, there are literally hundreds of thousands of golfers around the world would like to know it. It's just it's superb. Yeah, no, thanks, Smithy. I mean, there's there's no secret sauce, mate. You know, I mean. When you're uh, when you've got all your ducks in a row and, and things are good and, and you're feeling good in your sport, um, you know it, it 
it's a, it's a good formula to perform well. So, you know, I've just kind of carried on some momentum. You know, I've, I've had it for a while now, uh, carrying on from last year. And it just, you know, my blueprint's, you know, good and weeks off. And my, my swing blueprint's good. I'm not kind of thinking about anything. I'm just playing golf. And that's a, that's a good place to be, um, you know, when you're performing. Because that's always the thing. You're on a great roll towards the end of last year. And then you have a break because there's no tournaments as such, uh, Stephen. And there's always that fear, particularly in a sport like golf, where the momentum might just disappear. You might lose it. Mm-hmm. But that's not yeah. been the case. Mm-hmm. That, that, you know, there was no problem there. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's uh, just kind of, I, I guess where I'm playing and, and probably my age has kind of helped that, Smithy, because, you know, like off-season I, I did practice and I, I actually probably worked harder on the body than anything. I didn't feel like I had to work on my game. So... You know, I don't have many as many balls as I used to. I don't, you know, I don't stress about the game as much as I used to. So I guess there's a whole kind of maturing process there. And, um, you know, as I said, my blueprint's good. I'm feeling good about my swing. I'm not working on much. I'm just kind of fine-tuning things. So um, I think that's the, you know, that that's why I've kind of carried on and uh, continued playing well into the, the new year. Because, as you said, you, you just never know what you're going to come back with. But, uh you know, just feeling good and, and just enjoying my golf too. I think that's the big thing. Um, just just being in this environment and, uh, and and enjoying it, you know, just making the most of it. So, Stephen, for all of us who, who uh, look at different vocations in life, I mean, you've got to be uh, comfortable, relaxed in your workplace. Uh, you certainly have found the way to do that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, as I said, it's it's just a whole combination of things. If you know, if you things are great at home, and I got a couple of teenagers at school, and um, you know, I'm still doing what I love, and um, you know, it, it makes it probably a little bit easier than than it was just playing the three days and having no cut, knowing that you know you, you can just go out and kind of free will a little bit. I think that that's that's the that's the big word that. Um, the big thing about my game at the moment, there's, there's a lot of freedom in my game and, um, and that's always, that's always good. Yeah. You know, any sport, if you get that freedom and you're not thinking about things and you're just, just letting it go and, and, and doing it, then the game's, uh, game's a lot easier that way. Okay. Let's look at, uh, yesterday, um, a little bit more closely, Stephen, if we can, because, mm-hmm. uh, there was a, yeah. a, you know, there was a delay, a, a playing delay, which was also can upset momentum mm-hmm. on the course, et cetera. So, uh, yeah. Tell us a, a wee bit about that because it's not a it's not a uh, it's not an uncommon occurrence in the United States with their weather patterns. No, exactly. Well, especially in Houston, you get all sorts of weather. You get these pop up storms. But yesterday, actually, the the um, the delay was kind of a little bit of a blessing in disguise, Smithy, because um, I went and I kind of sat down and I had a there was a stretch there, that kind of like six, seven, eight, nine. I was kind of struggling. I missed a few greens and made some good pars. Uh, which was great, but I saw some coverage during the delay of of yesterday's play and, uh, and and a little bit of the earlier play during the day, and I just noticed that you know just a small uh, needed to make a small tweak in my swing. I just changed my ball position a bit. I didn't really change my swing, but changing the ball position actually um, made me kind of more centered in my swing, and I wasn't moving so much. And and I actually noticed that during the during the delay. So. You know, to me, that was a blessing in disguise. I went out, I only had like 15, 20 minutes to warm up again, and I kind of adjusted nicely and, and you know, made a few putts coming in, and, and that was the difference. So, yeah, you, you just never know. Things like that can, just small things can, can help, you know. 
So you're in the company yesterday of Brent Job and uh, Steve Stricker. Of course, Steve Stricker, well-known to golf uh, fans around the world. Uh, 31 back nine, mate. Four, four birdies and a crucial eagle. Yeah, no, the, the eagle was huge because it was still pretty close. I made a couple of early birdies in the back nine and then, you know, Steve Stricker's, you know, you just come back, but he, he was still sharp. He was still playing nice golf and you, you just, you know, there's, there's birdies out there we made on the back nine and you just never know who's going to make them. So I'm just glad it was me. But the eagle at 15 I made was um, it was kind of the game changer and um, I think Steve and Brand only made pars on the part five. So that gave me that four-shot cushion with uh, with three to play. I was looking actually at the the yardages of the courses yesterday in terms of the PGA, in terms of the Champions Tour. John Rahm won on uh, Vedanta Velata. Uh, they say the yardage there is around two seven thousand two hundred eighty-seven. Yours uh, is published at seven thousand and twenty-five yesterday. There's not a lot in that. No, not a whole lot. Now we're playing from the tips, and um, actually there are a couple of new tees at Woodlands that that, that we did play. But uh, they're, they're, I think there was only one par three. They shifted us forward one day. It was a long par three, but um, yeah, you know, generally most of these courses, you know, they're they're kind of older style. But we are playing the. The full tips, they might just adjust it for the weather and things. But, um, yeah, I think the only difference, I, mean, I might have mentioned this to you before, but I think there's just not the same amount of rough there would be or the greens are not quite uh, as quick as we may play uh, on the PGA Tour. But um, generally, yeah, we're playing, playing from the tips on, on most of the courses we play. So I asked you this question uh, just prior to Christmas, which seems like forever ago. Stephen, I, I, I said, how are they looking at you now? Um, you know, this young Kiwi guy coming in, <laughs> copping all their checks. You know, I mean, what's happening now? Uh, how are they looking now that the New Year's come and it's, you've, you've said to them, look, uh, I am back and I, I mean business here. <laughs> what about the level of respect? Because uh, to be fair, you're playing because of the way you're playing. You're playing um, in, the, in the premier groups, um, you know, the, the TV groups, because uh, you're always in contention. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think there's a lot of respect there. You know, the guys have a lot of guys we're playing with now. Are, you know, they've had great careers and uh, they don't necessarily have to play, but I think they've just stayed competitive and they want to play and they and they still want to win. I mean, you're out there and you're in the hunt. I mean, um, those guys want to win as much as anybody. So I, I think that's a good thing too. Like you know, having that respect and and still trying to win golf tournaments at this level, it's it's pretty neat. So, but. I must say, all the guys have been so welcoming and and made the transition to champions that much that much easier. And uh, now there's no animosity there. It's just all it's all good fun and 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 just enjoying. And and the guys have been great. So I've made some made some good friends already. Oh, you know, read one of the great sports books of all time is uh, uh, Feinstein's book about a good walk spoiled. I, I guess you've read that mm. maybe one or two times. Yes. But what that uh, what that highlights about um, playing golf on the PGA Tour in particular is uh, the desire to make money and, and the desire to, you know, cover costs, etc., and see if you can mm -hmm. actually make it a go. For most guys that yeah. enter the uh, Champions Tour, I'm thinking, Stephen, that money isn't a factor. What proportion of those players would you think actually are still playing for that check? Oh, it's kind of hard to say, Smithy, but I think, uh, you know, obviously there's you know, the, the, the retirement fun on the PGA Tour is, and, and the Champions Tour is, is so big that, you know, guys just need to play X amount of ounce to to keep their retirement ticking over. But 
I, I think God, it seems like most of the guys out there still want to play. They're still working on the game. They're still working on the body. They still want to play uh, and, and try and compete the best they can. So they're not out there just for a hit and a giggle, you know what I mean? So um, it, they are having a good time. And yes, they don't probably don't need to play. But, um, you know, they're still out there just trying to, trying to do their best and, and enjoy competing. I think that's the biggest thing. Guys still enjoy competing. There's, you know, there's still games on Monday and Tuesday that they like to play for money. So it's, it's pretty neat. So it's a great, great atmosphere. So just uh, very quickly, how does, the, how does the super fund work? Is it just like a normal super fund for you'd find and work back in New Zealand? You make a contribution, the PGA matches it, or how, how does that work? No, it, it goes on. You can... Um, you can put earnings into a supplementary fund yourself if you want to, but there is a cuts fund uh, in terms of how many cuts you make or um, like the champions, for example, you get to finish um, in the top so many players so you get a, a retirement check every week. So, you know, that can add up. If you guys get playing, you know, 150, 200 events during the, their career on the on the champions and get X amount of money, that, that can add up pretty quickly. So, yeah, this is all PGA Tour funded and um, and a little bit on performance as well. If you're you're playing, you know, um, well, then you know you're going to get um, get a nice retirement. So, yeah, it, it's just a, another benefit of the tour, and um, it's um, it, it's one that you know has been going for a long time and and it can be very rewarding, especially for PGA Tour players for sure, no doubt. Absolutely, uh, one of the big issues in golf at the moment, of course, is. It's Greg Norman, it's it's Phil Mickelson, and it is all about money by the sounds of it. Uh, we're not talking yeah. about majors here, we're not talking about jackets or what have you. Uh, and I would imagine, you know, um, it, it's been talked about uh, within your group as well because a lot of those guys mm-hmm. would, I'd say, poo-poo the idea and other, uh, other guys, the younger brigade, might even think, well, is that a bit of me? Yeah, well, it's, well I mean, especially for the younger guys, it's a tough decision to make. I mean... Um, I would think, you know, if I was a young guy again, um, seeing that type of money, I mean, that's very attractive. But at the same time, like, you know, the PGA Tour have, have put it out there that, hey, you um, you go and play here. We're, we're, uh, we don't like it. And um, you probably won't play the PGA Tour again. So I'm not sure where all that's at right now. That's a, that's a big decision for anyone going out and, and, and playing the Saudi Tour to make. But, um, hey, there's always... Uh, you know, a little bit of competition is always healthy. Um, I, I'm not necessarily a, a fan of it, but um, if guys want to go that way and, and that's an avenue they want to take and it seems like it's more, uh, you know, income money orientated, then, you know, uh, that's that's their decision. But I think, you know, get the PGA Tour direction and their um, their model is, is so much around charity that, you know, it's it's a good place to be and, and still, you know, the, the money's still good. I mean, what we're playing for on the champions and that opportunity to play at our age uh, is very re- rewarding. And, and hopefully the Saudi league, it won't drip down and, and affect um, the champions. So, um, but we'll, we'll see. It'll be, it's a very interesting uh, topic right now for sure. It sure is. I mean, you can make, perhaps you can make a lifetime as a golfer, by winning one of those tournaments with the numbers they are talking about, and then of course you can yeah. even if you finish last, and and it's a three it's a three tournament a uh, three round tournament, so you know that's where the fifty four exactly. comes from, Stephen. So you finish yeah. last and there's no cut, you get one hundred and thirty thousand US. Hey, that's not yeah, that's bad, not is bad it? money. 
<laughs> it's not bad at all. So, yeah. Okay, uh, let's look at um, what Stephen Elka's got planned for the year. Have you had an opportunity uh, to map out your schedule? Yeah, pretty much a, a schedule and, and plan. Um, I've got we've got a bunch of majors coming up uh, next week. Some of these our first uh, champions major, the regions, um, you know, four day event, uh, but only only a select field, eighty guys, uh, and then we get into you know, f- the a couple of weeks later is the the senior PGA, um, and then we run into um, uh, the US Open and. Uh, end of June, uh, and then we get the Senior British Open in, in July. So uh, all these events are kind of slammed in within sort of seven or eight weeks. Mm. So it's a big, uh, it's a big few months coming up, and and one I'm looking forward to because once again, you know, I haven't played these courses. Um, you know, four round events. I think the the course is going to be a little more challenging. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. You know, just just a time of year that I, my game's coming around and feeling pretty good. So. Yeah, feeling good, good going in. So looking forward to it. And just um, one thing I've always wondered, Stephen, before we let you go, is: is there a crossover uh, type exemption? Does exist if you're a consistent winner like you are in the Champions Tour? Is there a crossover anywhere around the world? No, there doesn't tend to be. Um, over here uh, with the senior events, I think the two events we've got out here is uh, the senior uh, British Open winner would get a start in the. Excuse me. Get a start in the British Open the, the following year, and the uh, senior players champion would would get a start in the the lucrative um, PGA, the, the players championship over here in the states. So there's a couple of tournaments to kind of focus on, and uh, that you know if you win, you get uh, get a start in those big events. So that's certainly something to, to kind of build up to and and um, have a crack at for sure. Well, Stephen, it's been fantastic to catch up with you again. Uh, thanks for making yourself available to the show. But uh, I should let you know, well, mate, you've got a massive and growing, massive and, and growing fan base here in New Zealand by what you're achieving. Plenty of publicity back fantastic. home and plenty of, rec- plenty of recognition for what you've been achieving, mate. Long may it continue. Thanks so much. Uh, we're right behind you, mate. I, I, I'm loving what you're doing. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Smithy. Good talking. Cheers, sir. Yeah, good talking to you too. Stephen Elka there, folks, uh, out of uh, America. Of course, uh, another winner again He in the last three weeks. He's won, uh, lost in a playoff, then won again, and has got a major uh, on his shopping list, uh, I'm sure, this year in terms of the Champions uh, Golf Tour. Just phenomenal. And just by the by, uh, between the years uh, 1996 and 2020, Stephen Elka, for all his hard work, his practice, etc., won around $2.3 million. Uh, and since 2021, joining the Tam- Champions Tour, he's won 1.8, 1.8 in just two years. And this year alone has earned $1.055 million just this calendar year alone. And folks, we've just hit May. Uh, how much could he win this year with the form that he has in? Sensational, absolutely sensational. So he could be a topic of your call, if you like, 0800 He could be a, a topic of your call. There's that, uh, and we'll give you another one or two after the break. Winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 0800 150 811 is the phone number. The text is 8833. Mount Rushmore today, favourite four or most uh, impressive four league players in the history of the game that you can remember. Um, Also, of course, we're opening our phone lines uh, very shortly, um, and uh, I'm understanding that we've got callers lining up already. 
And uh, each day we do that, uh, we will be giving away uh, 50 bucks from the Chemist Warehouse. And with Mother's Day in mind, not a bad day to start ringing. So uh, we'll do that very shortly. But first of all, here's Aroha with the news. To win today's $50 Chemist Warehouse voucher, 0800 150 811. And it is 9.33 and we've got uh, the calls lining up, which is great news, folks. Uh, first of all, first cab off the rank, Chris from Tauranga this morning. Chris, what would you like to draw about? Oh, morning, Smithy. Uh, yeah, the, the Rushmore, um, oh, you know, you could obviously name 10 pretty easy, but um, I'm just going to name my four. The Cam Smith and Jonathan Thurston, to me, stand out above the others, uh, just slightly. Um, and uh, I have to have the legend, Wally Lewis. And then I'm going to throw a character clause in there, so Joey Johns misses out. And um, I'm going to give it to Peter Sterling as the fourth for mine. Oh, Sterlo. Okay, so you've got a couple of prodigious goal kickers in there too, Chris. Yeah, mate, I have. Yeah, yeah. So Thurston, and, Jonathan and, Thurston, I, I think will be on a lot of people's list because of the modern day players and the influence he had on the game, perhaps. And also, he won uh, Player of the Year a lot of times, Daily M, uh, quite a few years, a couple of Churchills, you know, like, um, and a lot of premierships and, and, you know, obviously starred for the Maroons for a long time. Uh, yeah, he, he so, started out missing out on missing out on a spot in Canterbury and, you know, went on to be a legend, so, yeah. He did, he did go on to be a legend, uh, Jonathan Thurston. Okay, so Chris has come in with those four. Uh, love to hear from uh, you as well. Chris, thanks very much for your call. Uh, you're uh, certainly in the draw uh, for our uh, Chemist uh, Warehouse voucher this morning for 50 bucks. Neville from Dunedin is uh, next to the line. G'day, Neville. What, what What's on, on your mind? Hi, Ian. Just uh, golf. Golf is, um, yep. yeah, it's exciting, isn't it? Um, lovely to hear you talking to Steve again. Um and his success is, is just wonderful. He, he told me that the lack of pressure on the tour had made a huge difference because um, there's no cut. And, of course, it gives you a different mindset, he was saying. And uh, he seems to be the kind of guy who can respond to that. But um, it, I don't know what you heard. It, it, uh, Julian Alvarez is going to join Lydia at the US Open, the Women's Open. She's um, oh, man of park professional. Um, she how, was how, one of how does she? Neville, how does she qualify? Well, she played in the um, a qualifier in Texas. The top two qualified, and she finished second. Um, she had two really good rounds, so that's really exciting. Um, it is. Yeah. So, uh, Neville, uh, you've you've also obviously got a really big background of golf. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I, I write for a couple of the magazines in the country, um, and I really enjoy it. It's uh, there's so much to write about. I mean, we've got Kazuma Kabori. He won, um, you know, won the latest Charles Tour event. Um, He's so talented, and his sister Momoka, who's done so well in Australia. You know, we've just got so many golfers at the moment, and Ryan Fox, it was a real shame. He just just bogeyed those two holes at the end because he's very close to qualifying for the PGA. Um, 
he's got to get in the top 100, but at the moment I think he's 110. So um, he'll need another top three um, at the next tournament, and he'll probably be in the PGA. So, uh, Neville, were you, are you worried... You worried about this LIV, this 54, this Greg Norman thing? Are you worried it might split golf? I can't see it splitting golf. Uh, to me, it's, it's probably only going to attract mainly the players who are, um, you know, just on the way down or past their best. Um, yeah, it's an easy retirement fund, as you were saying. If you finish, I was saying to someone, if you finish last in every event, including the final, you'll win about one point three million. <laughs> that's ridiculous. Yeah. That is, that's lunacy, yeah, lunacy, Neville. You're absolutely oh, dead oh, right. Hey, Neville, thanks, thanks for oh, your call, mate. Really do appreciate it, and you're in line to win our uh, voucher this morning. Um, next on the line, Jared from Christchurch. Jared, good morning to you. Jared might have gone, fellas. Jared might have gone. Uh, Jade, Jade from Hamilton. Smitty, how are you? I'm good, Jade. How are you? Yeah, good, mate. Hey, I just want to talk about Kiwis doing well at the moment in sports, and obviously uh, our, our golfing man's doing well. But I really want to talk about Shane Van Gisbergen. Um, I don't know if you watched the. Uh, Supercars on Sunday, but he's just he's streets above all, all, all everyone else, and he is. He, I feel as though he's must-watch TV at the moment because you, you just there's so much anticipation when you watch him about what he's going to do and how he's going to go about it, and he's really fun to watch, like his driving style and and everything. It's he's going good, mate. Okay, so Jade, for you, is that is that what balance is there? Car. Quality of car and aggressiveness of driver. How, how, do, how do you balance that out? Where, where is his where has his point of difference for you? I think it's his, his aggression and the way he drives. Um, I was watching it on Sunday, and he was I don't know he might have been a second behind the driver who was in first, and 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 he was conserving his car. And then Shane thing uh, Shane thought he was that he was actually leading. And the minute his his crew told him no, that car's in front of you. He just whipped into action, and within two, three, three uh, laps, he passed the leader. Like, just his ability to sum up situations and be aggressive when he needs to be, and and pull back when he when he wants to. It's um, you're just a control in it. It's, it's awesome. What about the news that uh, our great mate Greg Murphy is going to be at uh, Bathurst uh, this coming year, and that will be up against the likes of SVG. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Like uh, Murph was an was an amazing driver. Um, hopefully, he's still got that uh, that competitive edge uh, to him. And um, I don't know. Let's hope on, on the podium. It's a Kiwi one, two, three. Uh, Jade, you're from Hamilton. Uh, whatever happened to the street race there? I mean, that that was a raging success, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Um, oh, it was pretty good. Um, I'm not too sure what happened to it in the end. Um, street races, are, oh, they're awesome. They're just a good vibe for, for wherever they, they're happening. Um, I remember the was at the Mobile 500 in Wellington growing up. That was, uh, mm. that was uh, a good one as well. Okay, Jade, thanks very much. Uh, really enjoy the fact that uh, SVG is uh, making you want to watch uh, motor racing 
uh, on television. Uh, there's just so much to watch at the moment. But anytime SVG, Shane Van Gisbergen, hops in a car, you certainly want to be in front of your TV screens as a motor racing fan. Jared, we found you. Jared from Christchurch, morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. Here you go, mate. I'm good, mate. Uh, Stephen Alka, pretty impressive, eh? Oh, look, great interview, mate. Uh, I really enjoyed it. And I'm just so pleased for Steve. You know, he, uh, he battled, he's he been battling away on the main tour and the, the second tier for a while. And to see him excel on the on the PGA Tour, uh, you know, he's becoming a household name. And I'm, I'm just so pleased. And it was good to hear him uh, speak of the friends he's making. And he's just really enjoying his golf, which is just fantastic for him. I'm so pleased for him. Well, when you win and against that field, I know, you know, the some of them are past their best in terms of distance, etc., and power. Uh, but, you know, when you make a statement like he has, you know, he's played 17 tournaments and he's finished, uh, he's had 10 top fives, Jared. 10 top fives, not yeah. top tens. 10 top, 10 top fives, mate. Amazing. Absolutely. Absolutely. Did you, did you like his fist pump when he when he tapped in the final putt on the 80 green? Just showed how much he meant yeah, to him. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you know, he doesn't take it for granted. You know, he's he's now probably in a position where for a long, long time he was wondering how he was going to afford to stay on a tour. Uh, but now he's in yeah. a situation where, where clearly he's financially in a good space. Mentally, that must be a great thing for a professional in any sport to know that uh, you don't have to win next week to pay the bills. Absolutely right. And I like what he mentioned too, that uh, with upcoming uh, major... Uh, opportunities uh, you've got to think he's a, a realistic chance and how good would that be if we could uh, win a, a US Senior Open or, or a British Open uh, it would just would just be um, the icing on the cake for the, the humble Kiwi from uh, Hamilton, New Zealand It certainly would I'll tell you something Jared. if they line up, which they do next week I mean he's got to be one of the top two or three favourites, I mean he hasn't won a major at that level, and there's certainly a, a little bit more importance there, and the field will be at the, at the strongest it can be. But just the way he's playing golf, uh, he'd have to be one of the favourites. Uh, I'm not sure if we have a betting market on the Champions Tour, but if there is one around the world, S. Alka would be pretty short, wouldn't he? Absolutely. Smithy, uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. But I'm going to have to keep an eye on that because I might be putting a bet on uh, Mr. Alka, I think. <laughs> I would be. I'd be putting a big yeah. bet on Stephen Alka, top five. Hey, Jared, thanks so much for your, your time this morning. Thanks for your call. Enjoy chatting golf with you, mate. All the best. Ken. Ken, I think, is next in line for us. Um, Ken, good morning to you. Good morning, Smithy. How are you this morning, mate? I'm absolutely chuffed that you guys are ringing in and having a chat with us. So uh, what, what, do you, what would you like to uh, chew the fat over, Ken? Yeah. Smithy, I'm going to rip into some NRL and um, and some and some rugby. So for myself, I'm a I'm a passionate Landis man, but I'm also a passionate Warriors fan. And I think it was Saturday night. I was at home, and there was the Landers game, and that overlapped with the Warriors, and then the Warriors overlapped with the Crusaders. And I just watched the Crusaders just because, as a, as a general Union fan, I'd say I don't know. I'd say Union would definitely be my sport, um, with a close second being League. However, the league product at the moment, I think this is something we need to be worried about. This is why I wanted to call up because I feel like we need to be worried about it because the NRL product is just that much better. And a part of that is watching that Crusaders game and seeing uh, a yellow dished out 
due to, I believe it was a ruck infringement of some sort, and then a fella caught his shoulder with, with the head, so it was head contact, and within the space of two minutes, there's a yellow and a red. Now, that changes the whole complexity of the game. So instead of this spectacle, you've got this team that's having to manage their minutes to just stay in the game, when you've, and then you've got the other team who's ahead that's pretty much, it's, you know, it pretty much makes the game null and void. Now, Crusaders nearly caught up with the Tars. But what I'm saying is there needs to be some sort of leeway and a bit of common sense. Now, he did do, he, there was direct contact to the head and he's gone for the game. However, when there's blokes ducking and then you've set up for a tackle and you're probably going to clock him somewhere around the chest and all of a sudden his head's there and your forearm's wrapped around his forehead, then you're, you, you're gone. You're gone from the game and then you're out mm. for a couple of weeks. And it's just ruining the spectacle. And um, I think as we lead into, uh, you know, your, uh, your Bledisloe Cups and the Irish Series and then your World Cups, I feel like these sorts of things are just going to spoil it. And um, it's very frustrating um, to see. So that's my two cents for me. Ken, uh, thanks very much for your call. Um, absolutely fantastic. I love your opinion. I'll tell you what, brother, you and I are on the same page. When I watch rugby league, I watch the game. When I, at the moment, when I'm watching rugby union, I'm watching the ref. I'm watching the ref just to see when the arm goes out and the next advantage plays and how long the next advantage goes for. I'll be truthful with you, and I, 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 I feel sorry for rugby fans, and I, I, I fear for it. If I'm typical, um, I, I, I really am worried. Ken, thanks so much for your call. In fact, everyone, thank you very much for your calls this morning. Um, and Logan will make a call very shortly on uh, who uh, will win today's $50 voucher from the Chemist Warehouse. We'll be back uh, very shortly with some texts and, of course, a multi before 10 o'clock. Thanks for your calls. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. 9.52, congratulations to Jared of Christchurch. He is now inaugural winner of the Chemist Warehouse voucher for $50, and we will be in touch with you, Brian. We have your details as to exactly where to send it or how to get it to you quick smart so you can use it. Uh, perhaps for Mother's Day this week. Uh, well done to you, and we'll have another one at the same time tomorrow morning, so get your subjects ready. Uh, we'll have a Mount Rushmore, of course, later today as well. Um, and uh, Dale has come in and said, my favourite league stars, Kiwis, uh, Benji Marshall, Tawhera Nico, uh, Gary Freeman, and Mark Graham. But uh, Ockers, says Dale, Ockers, uh, Steve Renouf, Glenn Lazarus, Lazar. Uh, Jeff Tuvey and Alfie Langer, a couple of diminutive, nuggety little halfbacks in there for you, Dale. So thanks very much for that. Ben, Norm Proven would be the first on my Mount Rushmore list. Won 10 grand finals in a row with St George, a stat that will never be touched. Uh, next would be Arthur Beats and Artie Beats. and never really got to watch him live, but the replays that I've watched are incredible. The way older people talk about his presence and the way he played the game means he deserved a spot. Third spot would go to Joey Johns, the best seven to play the game ever. Hasn't been a player since or before him that can control a game to the level he does. And maybe Cleary is uh, nearing in on catching him up. Uh, that's the, the Nathan Cleary, of course, uh, will keep an eye on his uh, future with the Panthers. Uh, so, uh, OK, Ben, thank you very much for that input and uh, some, strong, some strong influence there and thoughts about the past. Uh, Wally Lewis, Brad Fiddler, Mark Graham, Ellery Hanley. 
uh, from Barry Ellery Hanley, and the most overrated would be Cameron Smith for Barry. He wouldn't make the top 20. Interesting. Keep those coming in. Double eight, double three uh, is our text number there. Love the feedback on Mount Rushmore. We'll be back very shortly here on SENZ in the mornings with a multi prior to 10 o'clock. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. You got to know when to hold up. Know when to fold up. Smithy's multi. Know when to walk away. And know when to run. Bet live on your favourite sports. Download the TAB app today. Well, we had one going yesterday, but Baz's dastardly cold-cutter Knight Riders finally found some form and beat the Rajasthan Royals, so uh, that upset our apple cart. Today, basketball, the Phoenix Suns to beat the Dallas Mavericks at $1.42. Uh, tonight in uh, A-League football, Brisbane Roar and Central Coast Mariners to draw at $3.40. And then uh, an IPL action tonight, also about 2 in the morning, actually, the Gujarat Titans to beat the Punjab Kings. At a buck seventy-eight, dollar forty-two, three forty, dollar seventy-eight. Net return, eight dollars fifty-nine. Eight dollars fifty-nine. Not a bad way to win some money today and overnight. It's coming up at ten o'clock here on SENZ, and here's the news with Araha. Driving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. And this wind has been just about as clean as the new look Mount Panorama buildings. The roar going up everywhere now. The lights are flashing for Murphy. Well done, Greg Murphy. You can hear the cheers inside and outside the car as Murphy and Kelly make it two in a row. Well done. Great drive. Uh, does that take you back? Uh, it takes you back a, a wee while. That was uh, Greg Murphy uh, winning Bathurst uh, those years ago. And uh, since we've been on here and SENZ and Murph, of course, is uh, part of our uh, station as well, we've always been talking about will he return. Well, the news is now official. He will be going back to Mount Pamarama because uh, he is, uh, like the rest of us, enjoying life again. The fact that uh, we don't have to worry so much about COVID restrictions, etc., makes going to that race so much more accessible. So to celebrate, uh, we just have to have him on the show, uh, Greg Murphy, this morning. Murph, congratulations on that news. I think everyone is hugely, hugely happy about it. <laughs> Thanks, Smithy. Yeah, listen, uh, it was all a bit of a false start last year, wasn't it, uh, for all the all the reasons that we've talked endlessly about. So, um, yeah, it was, it's at the moment, I'm sort of just waiting to get over there and... and uh, get in the car. I think once I do that, I think the reality will set in of it actually happening, and it's not just uh, chat and talk and and planning. So um, it's going to be quite a significant moment, which will be uh, in the beginning, early June. That um, the plan is to get over there for the first time and and cut some laps. So um, yeah, all the parties decided that uh, everyone was still keen. There was so much work and effort put into it last year. And, it would sort of be a waste if it just sort of fizzled and disappeared. Um, so yeah, everyone's uh, on board again, and Richie Stanaway and I will uh, yeah have a have that crack that we were talking about. And as you say, um, it was all sort of falling apart reasonably um, late in the piece last year, and this time round, you know, with the travel side of things, I don't think we're going to see any changes there. It'd be great to be able to have uh, you know thousands of Kiwis turn up at the mountain to to actually enjoy uh, Bathurst this year. So that'll make it special. 
how did you come to team up with Richie Stanaway? Yeah, well, I mean, it all came about last year with the um, uh, the Peter Addison the, from Boost Mobile. You know, he wanted to see Richie back in a car, the, the sort of last endeavour um, supporting Richie at uh, Gary Rogers Motorsport at the end of, uh, through 2019. Uh, didn't go the way it was planned. It was um, it was all a bit of a mess, and um, he felt pretty average about that. And, and he just is a believer in in uh, Richie's talent and, and wanted to be involved in giving him another shot and, and the involvement uh, with uh, sort of pretty heavy involvement with with, with some race teams and, and particularly Erebus Motorsport was a, an idea and it was also fueled by other wildcard entries last year. So, you know, he just chatted to both of us, which, you know, initially last year when it was, when it was, um, Broached, it was neither of us were really thinking, or we certainly weren't thinking about it, but certainly weren't very keen about it either. So he uh, bribed and corrupted, and, and then it was announced that we were going to do it. So, and I wanted to see Richie Stanaway back in a car too. You know, he's a wasted talent sitting on the sidelines, and and um, he needed to to get back in a race car and prove his prove his talent and his worth, and, and probably show a few people that were doubters that um, you know he's the real deal, and we still believe that that's the case. So. You know that's that's the big sort of uh, um, reference point for me and and reason for for wanting to, or I don't know about wanting, but um, agreeing to do to do the the wild card. So, you know, and that's uh, that's the same this year. It's it's still the impetus for for making it happen. Murph, you'll be driving a, a Commodore, a Holden Commodore, which will be set up by Erebus Motorsport. Uh, t- tell us how much time you will have in the car before 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 the race, actually, and. Uh, what uh, also can you tell us about the setup of the car as opposed to when you were last in this race? Yeah, we've we've got um, our test plan in place, um, and that was one thing that needed to be you know really locked down before we uh, went about um, making any announcements about it. And so we've got those three three days uh, locked in. The first one's in June, and then um, August and September. September, I think it is late August and then in September, um, and plus a couple of other little um, things with ride days and, and bits and pieces as well. So, you know, it's it's uh, the minimum that you'd want um, to be doing, um, but it's it's also restricted by uh, time, money, and also re- regulation as well. So, you know, we're, we're getting those days, and and you know, hopefully, if they go smoothly, then. Um, you know, it, it will be a, a really good, uh, you know, setup for us to, to be prepared for for when we get to the mountain in October. Um, and as far as the car goes, I mean, it's 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 going to be a clone of of what uh, Will Brown and, and Brody Kostecki are running for uh, for um, Erebus Motorsport in the in the full time championship. So the, the car will just be updated, and and um, uh, every time they do something that they learn from that's better than, than what they've got, it'll be just be replicated over onto the, the wildcard car. So we, we're very confident that, you know, the quality of the equipment is, is not going to be an issue or in doubt. And, you know, our job really is to, to maximise what we've got anyway. And for me, I think that's going to be a bit of a challenge just to be able to maximise, you know, supercar. It's been a very long time. They've changed a lot, Smithy, since uh, I last raced. I mean, we're talking 2014 was the last time I was at the mountain. So, you know, it's another year on. Um, you know, we're, we're eight years down the track, um, if my math's correct, and you know that's that's a significant amount of time. Um, mm. You know, between drinks for me. Uh, so the cars have changed 
dramatically since then. They just do things differently. They've evolved. I mean, the, the Commodore is a ZB Commodore versus a VF Commodore, so the aerodynamics, all that on it has changed significantly. So it'll be a very different drive. It'll be starting, starting, you know, from almost scratch, really. I mean, I, the gear lever and the pedals and the steering wheel are all pretty much in the same place, but other than that, just the, um, the actuation of it and... Um, how the car behaves and sits on the road will be will be you know a bit of a, a new a new era for me. I'm I'm interested to know Murph, and you probably won't know until you've actually had a taste of it again, particularly with the atmosphere and the environment around Bathurst. Whether it'll uh, whet your appetite for more um, <laughs> in terms of uh, supercar, because I kind of you know if it goes well for you, um, you know, and you you have a really really good finish, I, I don't see Greg Murphy that I know. Um, just bailing out and saying, oh, I might do it. Ne- might do it next year." Is is there, is there the fear here that this might just uh, light a fuse for something? I have not considered or been thinking about that in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I've I've been quite. Uh, I was very hard and fast on a, on a uh, on a very quick no when it was first suggested last year, and um, you know, and I slowly came around to the idea. But you know, I, I don't need it. Um, I I do. I'll, you know, some racing here in New Zealand, I get to drive some very cool, fast cars um, on a reasonably regular basis, and and you know, the, there's no stress involved in any of that. It's all uh, very simple and easy. Um, the supercar world is, uh, you know, demands um, you know a very, very high level of performance. The cars are still very unique and tricky to drive, and the best guys doing uh you know winning and being on the podium and getting the results are guys that are immersed you know 24 7 uh in those vehicles and 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 doing things constantly um to be better and and be the best and and my world just doesn't involve that anymore you know i mean i'm I'm doing the training um outside the car um i need to spend a lot more time on the sim uh, just to start getting the brain functioning in that uh, concentration space Around delivering consistent lap times and and um, you know keeping it on the track, and I, and I've got other things to do. I just do other other stuff. It doesn't pay the way anymore. Uh, the racing side of things, really, you know, it's um, it's a couple of one offs and, and and to to justify it and actually um, make it worthwhile and, and deliver, you know, the reward to all the people that are putting all the effort and money into it. It's um, you know, you've got to be very very committed. So I'll put the effort in this year, but um, you know, I can say it. It's it's still going to be compromised slightly because of all, everything else that I I've got to do um, during weeks to uh, to uh, fulfil commitments and things with other people. So it's, I'm not a race car driver anymore. And if I was, you know, I'd be I'd be immersed fully in that. But um, you know, it's you, you've got to you've got to be just thinking race cars, race cars, race cars, twenty four seven if you want to be um, you know uh, fully competent and competitive and you know delivering the results. Craig from Bay of Plenty has uh, texted into the show, Murph, with a couple of questions for you. Uh, first of all, who will be the lead driver, yourself or Richie? Uh, same as last year. Um, not a difficult question. He's he's the young hot shot, really. Um, he's probably thinking that he's uh, been away from it for a little while. He's going to have to warm up. But at the end of the day, he's still um, spending a lot of time on the sim, training really hard, thinking a little bit more now about car racing. Um, so you know he's he's the guy that will uh, be able to switch on and and deliver you know that uh, those performances in the qualifying and the likes and and he'll be the one that that runs the big long stint at the end of the of the race. Um, so uh, while I'm sitting back and 
and trying to catch my breath. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, I think you're in pretty good, Nick Murphy. Uh, would Murphy ever drive, this is uh, for, from Craig as well, would Murphy ever drive a Ford? If this opportunity had been offered in a Mustang, would have you have done it? Yeah, listen, it probably would have. I mean, things have changed and moved on. And, yeah, I, I, I spent my entire career driving Holden. was very proud of that, and, and they looked after me incredibly well, and we had a great relationship. And I'm, I'm proud of the fact that I'd never, you know, that I was with Holden my entire career. Um, but, you know, things have moved on. Um, the the brand side of thing has, has changed a bit. Yes, we've still got great followers, and, I'm, I'm, and I'll always be a you know, a holding guy, but, you know, if the opportunity was to drive another car, it's not about the, it's not about the badge anymore so much. In that respect, it's, it's just about the tool that you've got to actually go driving. So, you know, and I know that might sound a bit of a shock to some people, but when it comes down to the, the realities of, of the commercial side and all that kind of stuff, um, if that's the way it had been, then, then, then so be it, you know, that, um, you know, I would have, I would have, you know, managed to put my love affair with holding aside just to, you know, to uh, to do the race that was necessary. So, you know, it's not like I'm switching brands or starting to promote opposition. But you know, you, when you when you are looking at doing those races, it's very quickly you look past what the badge is. Um, more so, pro- more so these days than I was professional. I mean, being doing a one-off race, you know, um, it'd be foolish to say no, I'm not doing that because it's a, it's it's that car or with that badge on it. That would be just a little bit naive. Murphy will be competing, of course, against a whole new crop of drivers, including. Uh, well, Shane Van Gisbergen, who uh, had pretty decent time of it in Perth over the weekend, so a whole new current crop, two of Kiwi races and supercars, so the Giz is just flying. Oh, he is sublime. He seriously is. Um, it doesn't even look like he's getting a heart rate going, you know, driving at the moment. Um, he's in such a such a sweet spot, and uh, it, it is, it's quite something to watch because you can see... All the other drivers there, uh, Smitty, just working their asses off. You know, they are trying everything they possibly can. And, and just when they think that they might be on par with him, he just um, slides the old uh, Red Bull Commodore up the inside and, and um, drives off into the distance, you know. Um, he, you know, two wins from the weekend and a fifth, I think it was, after a qualifying issue uh, for race, uh, was it race 11, I think, Um and then, and then, you know, he, he worked his way through, up through the field, just looked after the car, didn't get involved in anything, just made sure he finished and got a whole lot of points. And then the last race just uh, slithered his way to the front again and, and uh, yeah, just left everybody else in his wake. It's, it's, it's quite something that we're watching at the moment. Um, and, uh, you know, he's loving his racing and enjoying it, but um, everyone else is just shaking their heads, I reckon, and, and uh, very concerned about what it all means for the future. Murph, always great to catch up with you. I, for one, have booked a seat on uh, my couch this year because uh, you're in it. It's as simple as that. And I think a lot of... No, I'm serious. And, I, and a lot of Kiwis will be the same as well. Uh, thanks so much for your time no. this morning. Really, really exciting news for, for Hawke's Bay people as well as New Zealand motor racing fans. Cheers, buddy. Thank you, Smithy. Good on you, bro. Yeah, good. Uh, Greg Murphy there. What fantastic news. Back at Bathurst, Richie Stanaway, Greg Murphy. Driving for Holden, uh, exciting news. And on the subject of exciting news, I can uh, announce for you uh, some really good stuff here we've got from SENZ uh, because we have secured exclusive rights for England against New Zealand, the Test Series coming up. New Zealand listeners will be able to enjoy ball-by-ball live coverage 
when England and the Black Caps clash in June, uh, with uh, SEN, the, the network, securing exclusive audio rights to the three test series. Now, and uh, lots of details I've got in front of me, but uh, to be perfectly honest, you want to know who's calling it, don't you? You want to know who's calling it. Well, I can tell you. Adam Collins uh, will be leading the commentary team, of course, award-winning broadcaster. Uh, he will be joined uh, by Daniel Norcross, uh, of course, the BBC, respected commentator over there. Award-winning English broadcaster Nikesh Rugani will be in the team. And for New Zealand cricket fans, here's the really exciting news. Jeremy Coney uh, will be part of that uh, commentary team, as will Craig McMillan. Now, Craig McMillan might, might be saying this, but Jeremy Coney simply is the best. He is the best radio broadcaster in the world of cricket. He paints the picture the best of any I know when he sits alongside the likes of Jonathan Agnew and Brian Waddle, uh, who complement each other so beautifully. And Jeremy Coney is a true asset uh, to that commentary team. So uh, I'll just let you know uh, that uh, those test matches, the first starts on June the 2nd through to the 6th, that's the home of cricket Lords. Uh, then they head up the road to Nottingham to Trent Bridge on the 10th of June. <coughs> and then Emerald Headingley Stadium in Leeds, where New Zealand have done pretty well over the years, June the 23rd to the 27th, the third test match. So all these three test matches will be on here, ball by ball, and I say here, meaning S-E-N-Z. So take a note uh, if you uh, have got all those frequencies uh, in line with you travelling around over that month of cricket, uh, you'll be able to get hold of uh, ball by ball commentary. We have a panel now coming up with Ross Carl and Sam Ackerman. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. 10.24 here on SENZ, uh, Ross Carl, Sam Ackerman, as I said uh, on the panel here, uh, Ross, uh, I spoke to Stephen Alka this morning, and golf is great on Sky when you've got Kiwis performing like Stephen Alka, you've got Lydia Ko, you've got Ryan Fox, all in contention over one weekend, how good? Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? What about the Stephen Alka story, you know, a real battler through his career, and then here he is, in the, in the twilight, just raking it in. I mean, this is a guy um, who really played week by week, hand to mouth, for so long, trying to make ends meet, who now is financially secure in the space of uh, about 14 months um, by being the young guy on the old guy's block and outplaying them two to one. Just, it's, it's a stunning story in sport, I think. Absolutely. And, and you know, you've got to take advantage of that little loophole, don't you, when your body's good. Yeah, when your body's good, your body's good. Uh, Sam Ackerman joins us now. Bodies are good this week compared to last week, Sam, because everything's good with the world. The Warriors win in absolutely classic, dramatic fashion. And Sean Johnson, all the money they paid, uh, had comes home to roost, eh? You know what? I love Golden Point because, you know what it does? It makes you forget about the previous 80 minutes of football uh, that was <laughs> uh, not... A, it wasn't of high quality, but it suddenly becomes a thriller. Do you know what I mean? It's people can remember it as uh, as that uh, when we jagged or this moment of tension. But yeah, the, look, the standard was better, and it, there, was, there was only one way for it to go. Uh, but the performance level was um, you could see there was commitment. They had every opportunity to throw in the towel, uh, but they stuck in the game and a few uh, golden opportunities. I mean, look, the Raiders botched that. Um, when they had that and they, they screwed it up for themselves. But the Warriors were 
they're ready and able to take advantage of it. So, you know, fair play. That's exactly what happens in uh, a competition like the NRL. So a, a great win, and, yeah, it's, it's certainly a better week for uh, for those involved with the Warriors. And I, I, I was pretty happy for them to be able to um, turn around because we think about it, Smitty, it's really a 69-point turnaround. It's a 69-point turnaround. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, 59. Uh, no, whatever. My math's not great. Oh, I don't know. 59-69. I mean, here's the thing. Uh, here's the thing for me. Um, take out, take out Pan- the Panthers. You take out Storm. At this point, they look uh, odds on to be round about at the business end of it. How about, how about um, the, the next uh, six teams in the top eight? I mean, who would pick it at the moment? Now, look, the, Cow- the Cowboys were um, comfortably beaten by the Warriors just a few weeks ago before Warriors seasons plunged plunged into a bit of a debacle uh, and, and revived itself within the space of a week. It is an open comp. Uh, and that is that is a great thing. Uh, there's only a couple of teams that are really struggling, and they uh, still have enough talent in their team that it, you wouldn't you wouldn't say that the Bulldogs and Knight can't go on a winning streak at some point down the season. So it's yeah, you know, it's, it's it's a good comp, and as you mentioned, those two. Yep, they are streaking ahead, but uh, they I, I still think that their teams that a team on a roll can challenge uh, in the grand final. Just look at some of the the great results we've had in the past uh, couple of years. So not a fait accompli, but um, far out. The, the talent the talent in, in those two teams is scary for everybody else. Super Rugby, uh, Ross Carl, is, uh, I think, far from done and dusted in terms of the interest now because of uh, those uh, results uh, across the, the weekend, particularly for Australian teams, which has made Dave Rennie a fairly happy chappy. <laughs> it's amazing what difference a weekend makes to the mindset of everyone now uh, watching a competition like that. I think we came out of Super Round and outside of the Brumbies, we were like, okay, this is kind of business as usual. And then we had that weekend, which is probably the best weekend of Super Rugby that I can remember. Um, as far as consistently good games, which were competitive um, across the board. The real question here for Dave Rennie um, is how long can this continue? Is this... Um, an anomaly. We need to see this for multiple weeks in a row and we need to see it on New Zealand soil. We need these Aussie teams, and I think three of them are over in New Zealand this weekend, to come over and show that it's not just competitive at home, it's competitive away. And we get a few weeks of that and suddenly Super Rugby is exactly where we need it to be. But it's pretty obvious the Dave Rennie effect over there. And I know it's a bit of a cliche to throw that out there, but when you look at the way the Chiefs used to play, the physical nature, the, the never giving up, the hitting the rucks and mauls hard, being right up in their face defensively. You can see that stamp across all of the teams. You know, there's a real change in attitude there, and it's making a massive difference. It's, it's great to see. It is great to see. Um, I'm absolutely chuffed by the whole deal. Uh, and uh, finally, I, I think uh, the other thing, Ross, is we, we actually talked about some rugby instead of talking about the refereeing. And, and when quality... <laughs> Uh, I think I'll be honest. When when quality of games and and closeness of games is apparent, that is a good thing because you do take the officiating out of it to some extent. Absolutely, um, and I think you know we're always going to have a little bit of that with the way that the rules are and around head clashes, like we saw in the Crusaders game. But as long as that's not the the be all and end all, right? As long as we're talking about you know that second minute try from the Waratahs, and not talking about the you know accidental clashing of heads um, in the second half from the Crusaders, um, you know I think it's great. You're right. Okay, we'll take a short break now for the news with Araha, and when we come back, plenty more to talk about with our panel this morning: Ross Carl and Sam Ackerman.
Big talk, big opinions, the panel. It is Ross Carl, it is Sam Ackerman on the panel this morning. And Sam Ackerman, exciting news uh, from the Warriors' point of view. Uh, they have signed young Ronald Volkman, this 19-year-old sensation, out of the Roosters, uh, who has decided he wants to ply his trade uh, with our guys for the next three years. That is uh, pretty good. It's pretty amazing that uh, the Warriors just couldn't attract uh, the the attractive houses and the players who were really uh, being you know, chased by other clubs or seen as hot prospects for so long, uh, and all of a sudden they're coming in, in floods. And I'm I'm really excited um, about uh, about Volkman. He, he's I've, I've heard raps on him for a little while. I've seen some of him playing and. He looks like his, his talent would fit what the Warriors uh, would look to achieve. He, he is a playmaker. He's not a half. You know, he's not somebody who shuffles the ball on. He makes things happen. Uh, he's been talked as Johnson's long-term um, long-term successor. They've got Metcalf coming in next year. They've also had you know a succession of of halves come in. I mean, the way RC played in uh, the weekend after just a few games, sorry, a few days in camp with the Warriors, uh, he made a, a hell of an impression straight away. So there is now. A good level there, but we talked about this at the start of the season, Smitty, is that there's a, a, there's depth in the halves, but where is where is going to be that consistency? Oh, my fear is that the Warriors stockpile too many half options and never allow a combination to dominate because they've got so many good players, they're going to try and find room for a move around. But it is a great signing, just like uh, just like the signing of Reese Walsh was uh, was kind of heralded as uh, one to watch. We've seen what he's managed to do. Volkman fits that category. I hope this doesn't stop them getting uh, opportunities with the Roosters if they present themselves this year. Uh, but it is a, a great one um, for a sign that the club has now been seen as attractive. Australian players willing to come over and play. So, uh, Sam, can we just stay on the subject of Reese Walsh? When you see a young signing like that, in other words, a clear pathway in the halves for the club, would that change his thinking or, or, or reinforce his thinking on what he's going to do? Uh, the players who the, uh, the Warriors attract and what they achieve um, and, and have uh, the pathway for where he decides to stay with the Warriors is absolutely massive. But you've got to take into account a lot of the other factors. He's a, a Queensland boy that has Queensland clubs cashed up wanting to bring him back. Uh, he has origin as a major motivator for him. And there's been the likes of Price and Tate who have managed to get themselves into, uh, you know, they're already in origin contention before they came here. It's hard to get picked from origin um, from, from New Zealand. And... Uh, take Michael Luck. If Michael Luck had stayed playing in the Cowboys and hit the form that he did with the Warriors, I guarantee you he played Origin. But the closest he got was an 18th man once. So he, it's it's a difficult situation, decision for the young man to make, plus the family drive as well, with a young family as well. So uh, retaining, if, if the if the Warriors retain Reese Walsh, it's one of the, it's a it's three times, ten times the coup of signing him in the first place because he. Uh, he's destined for big things, and uh, when you've got Wayne Bennett breathing down your neck, you're doing damn well if you can keep him at bay. Great news there. Uh, perhaps that's a possibility, but you're right, that Queensland money, the lure of home, the lure of friends, the lure of family, uh, is always a tough one. Uh, Ross Carl, how exciting, uh, even though it didn't quite work out for them, what a great try that was by Australia in the last second yesterday to see the Black Ferns <laughs> back in action after all this time, and it just... Doesn't it just, uh, you know, just uh, really just tantalise the palate for what's coming up? 
It does, and especially with the Aussies playing so well. I mean, for a while there, probably leading into the last Olympics, it was pretty one-way traffic, wasn't it? But this Aussie team seems to be bolstered with a few of the stars that they'd had in, in yesteryear, I suppose, when they won the gold. And they look really strong and heading into the Birmingham Commonwealth Games. Um, I just can't wait to tune into that on Sky Sport and, and, and watch that final, because that final, presuming they both make it, could be an absolute cracker, because these two teams... Now, remember that last Commonwealth Games final when um, the, the Blackburns went the length of the field? They create absolute classics. And again, this morning, overtime classic. It's great to watch. It was great to see Sarah Hidani hustling in the middle of the field again and making sure things happen for her players and seeing Michaela Blythe step out of tackles and score. They play an exciting brand of football. You know, they're better to watch than the men. And it's great to watch. Ross, I spoke to uh, a, a rush, uh, not a Russian, a doctor yesterday, uh, a, a doctor, but his uh, big area of um, expertise was the NHL, right? And one of the questions I asked him about the NHL was the participation of Russian hockey players in the NHL. Now, we all know um, we're talking about uh, Russians being banned from various events, banned from hosting events, banned from this, banned from that at the moment because of the Ukraine situation. Here we have uh, at Wimbledon all of a sudden, uh, Andy Murray, Novak Djokovic, Rafa Nadal against the Wimbledon ban on Russian and Belarusian tennis players. What do you make of that? Look, I, I enjoy reading Andy Murray's comments that it's not, there's no right answer that he leans in one particular direction because there probably isn't no right answer. But I think that they're leaning in the wrong direction. Um, no, it's not fair on an individual basis, but it's also not fair to have your city bombed. It's not fair to lose your house, your family, loved ones. That's not fair. So Daniil Medvedev, who's earned $4 million prize money just this year, missing out on Wimbledon, I'm not going to cry for him. Um, you know, I'm not going to cry for that yeah. guy because you know, maybe there's a bigger stand that needs to be made here. I do feel for those tennis players who, you know, compete on the satellite circuit, the ones who are, like you said earlier, Stephen Elka, hand-to-mouth throughout the year, because those guys don't earn a lot of money. Those guys and girls go week to week and don't make much. And these big tournaments where the draws are twice as big, like, you know, Wimbledon, US Open, etc., offer them a chance to make some money. If you make qualifying in the first round of Wimbledon, you earn 20000 New Zealand dollars. So for people who can't make it and are struggling to get by as tennis players, the Grand Slams offer a little bit more than people might realise for them. Um, So I feel for them, yes. But, you know, the big stars, you know, there's another tennis tournament coming up. And if you've made $24 in your career, you know, you can play another one some other time. You can. I suppose you can, but it is is the one, isn't it? Uh, That's the thing about it. Uh, Sam Ackerman, the... Do you have any feelings on Russian participation in sport at the moment? Yeah, well, part of my feeling with, um, with the tennis situation is, you look at the, um, the Olympics, the Russians are given the opportunity to, um, through other forms of suspension like doping, which is, you know, directly affecting sport, um, to be able to complete under a, a neutral banner because of uh, the bans. I, it's kind of crossed my mind. Why aren't these players being offered the opportunity to um, not necessarily denounce Russia, but uh, agree to compete under a neutral situation, which means uh, an agreement to not receive any funding from uh, any, any Russian uh, sponsors or any Russian um, uh, you know, fu- uh, government funding, whatever it is. I, I, there is no right answer. Ross is, is bang on, um, Mr. Sensible, and. It, 
can always guarantee he's uh, taking a uh, sensible approach on life, which is uh, why we um, so difficult to have a conversation with together. He is bang on in the sense that you're not going to get this right, but you can't, you can't let it. You can't stand by and just go, "Well, you didn't do the bombing, so we're not going to we're not going to make any stand." It is too big a this is too big an issue and too wide an issue to just sweep it under the carpet. But um, it's also tough to ask a Russian uh, to say, "Well, declare you know declare that you are neutral and not part of of Russia," because there is you know they have family and they have consequences too. So uh, I. I, I don't know. I I, I like um, Ross's approach on um, it's going to opportunity give somebody else an opportunity that may not have been otherwise. But you know we we do like to talk about parity and fairness in the sport, and it doesn't necessarily uh, seem to be a lot of that with us. Sam Ackerman, with all your history and your love of the game, the four greatest league players that you can recall. Oh, the four greatest. Oh, I, was, I was told it's my favourite, and these are very different. Um, okay, those, those Wait, no, go your favourite. Go your favourite then. I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy to go. I'm happy to go greatest. He's, that's no problem. That's no problem for me. But it is, you know. And again, it's unfair. It's, it's like asking me to pick my favourite child. But but it's actually, that's quite easy because it's the one that listens to me. I'm, I'm joking. None of them do. <laughs> uh, the 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 prospect of uh, of great players cannot be discussed. In my opinion, without Andrew Johns, who was easily the best player I ever seen lace up a boot in my entire life. And I'm only taking uh, players I've seen play, so I won't go uh, back in the players I've only seen historically uh, or before my time as a, as a league fan. But Andrew Johns goes top of the list. Uh, Ruben Wickey is uh, what he achieved across so many different positions and in so many... He, had, he almost had three separate... Hall of Fame careers throughout his career. He was unbelievable, and uh, he played such a crucial part in the Kiwis going from always getting beaten to finally getting trophies and becoming... Uh, I don't think you end up winning the, the World Cup for the first time if Ruben Wickey didn't help lay that platform uh, through the, uh, the early 2000s. So uh, an absolute icon for me. Uh, I put Brad Fittler there too for the same revolutionary reasons, uh, is that he just changed the game in so many ways to be a, a centre with a sidestep. Uh, to a half, to uh, a man who can change the game at a whim from lock as well. Uh, the lock position didn't exist in the way it did until uh, Brad Fittler grabbed the bull uh, by the horns. Uh, and I think the, the next greatest I'd, I'd probably have to throw uh, at Wally Lewis. I didn't see him in his peak, but I saw enough of him to know that uh, he made the halves a, a hard man position as well as a skilled one. And again, these are all game changers in their positions and uh, players that you would never, ever uh, be able to have a conversation about the greatest without discussing. Well, um, you can't leave the king out. Um, I probably have when it comes to mine uh, at 11.40. Uh, thanks for that, Sam. Ross, Carl, uh, your four most influential or favourite league players? Uh, uh, it's Sonny Bill Williams, it's uh, Ruben Thorne, <laughs> it's uh, all the other converts, right, Ross? Yeah, that's right. Brad Thorne, no doubt about that. Um, if I had to say my favourites would be Talis, Langer, Stacey Jones and Ali Lawititi. But if it was going to be the greatest I've seen, Johns, Meninga, Thurston and Talis, I think, from the ones that I've watched a lot, those guys Ooh, brought. Johns like brought it. magic and uh, Meninga brought every single week the physical nature. Jonathan Thurston was a magician and Gordon Talis was just brutal. And we love Brutal. We love Brutal. We love Brutal. We love the panel. And we thank very much to Sam Ackerman and Ross Carl for their input this morning. Uh, thanks, fellas. Uh, enlightening there. Uh, it is uh, 10.43 here on SCNZ. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. 
This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Texts have come in this morning and we're still taking them too on uh, the top four rugby league greats of all time. And you're thinking, still taking those on double eight, double three. We'll read ours out around about 11.40. Um, yeah, and there's so many, absolutely so many that you get poo-pooed who you put in and you get poo-pooed who you leave out. Uh, but uh, it's a matter of personal opinion, shall we say. Uh, Zaid, uh, with his personal opinion, it says Cameron Smith, Cooper Cronk, uh, Billy Slater, Jonathan Thurston, Benji Marshall, all brilliant players in their own right, Zaid. Absolutely right to put them in. Sensational players in their own right. Are they the greatest of all time? Well, and Zaid's thinking uh, that they are. Uh, morning, Ian. Agree with, with Andrew Johns, but to me, he had an equal in Laurie Daly. Laurie Daly, of course, outstanding in every department. Great to Canberra Raider, great New South Wales, of course, great kangaroo was uh, Laurie Daly, and then a coach as well. So there you go. Uh, that would be um, that would be in, in uh, the thinking there. Uh, Denzel Iremia, top ten on the PGA Latino Tour. That's the Perua Open. Uh, it's another New Zealand golfer doing fantastic things. Just a kid, Denzel Iremia. Keep an eye on that name going forward. Uh, hi, Smithy from Paul. Um, on this uh, w- this worry about the depth of where rugby is going and who's going to be playing the game in 10 to 15 to 20 years if they keep losing secondary school players and Colts players at the rate that are disappearing from the game, who will be playing the game? Uh, Paul has come in and said, it would be great to see Mark Robinson show some leadership, get on your show to talk about these numerous r- rugby issues apart from the Silver Lake fiasco uh, you never hear from him. Um, well, I suppose it's probably because we don't ask him. Uh, we might just do that. Um, we'll have uh, maybe set aside a, a decent interview space for the CEO of New Zealand Rugby, Mark Robinson, um, and the day's coming up or perhaps early next week. Thanks for the idea, Paul. Uh, and Rob has come in with an idea about rugby as well, saying, uh, Smithy, are players being encouraged to dip when they're getting tackled? Uh, the drawer players all seem to be uh, dipping when they're tackled. It'll be an interesting one to say, Rob, because, of course, that does, uh, once you dip, does encourage uh, high contact, doesn't it? Even for, especially for the taller players who are tackling, making contact in the area. The big guys find it hard to get low. If the, ta- if the tackle player is getting low, the big players find it very hard to get low as well. So, yeah, if it is a tactic, it's uh, for me quite a dangerous one because what it does do effectively is it uh, brings your head uh, into those areas where you really don't want to the dark places. So uh, we'll just uh, take it and <coughs> we'll just... Take a thought about that, but it's an interesting theory, Rob. Uh, I'll, I'll give it some more thought. I might even ask around with some of my uh, rugby colleagues about that if they've noticed the trend, because if it is, to me, it's quite a dangerous one. 10.51 here on SENZ. We shall be back shortly with Louis Herman Watt and uh, I think Brendan Popperwell from the TAB. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. The loveracing.nz update. Your home for everything thoroughbred racing. Visit loveracing.nz, racing's biggest fan. It is uh, 10.56 here on SENZ. Time to speak now to Louis Herman. What uh, normally uh, for the top jockeys, uh, this kind of time of year uh, just uh, disappears a wee bit in terms of uh, the big stakes races, of course, unless you go hunting, Louis, and uh, Opie Boston's going to do that. Apparently he's going to to and fro across the Tasman to Brisbane and back for this carnival, and he's picked up some tasty rides. 
He has, Smithy. He's got some really nice rides. I mean, the whole ambush we're sending to Queensland, it's going to be huge. You know, we've been anticipating it for a while here. Uh, of course, he's got the sort of state ride this weekend, which is where it really all kicks off, but he's got in, uh, in Entrevier, I should say, to ride. Um, he's going to pick up some nice rides on horses he has ridden back home, like Swords Drawn for Richie and Murray, um, Babylon Berlin for Ben Foote, who's going to be over there with Tony Pike, Ruark, the same thing for Ben Foote with Tony Pike. The other jockeys over there, of course, we've got Sammy Collett, we've got Sam Weatherly, who rode Dark Destroyer for a second in the Group 2 over the weekend, and I think Leith Innes. Uh, Lethal was going to be heading back and forth as well, Smithy. So the, the list of horses is really impressive as to who we've got over there. Like, this is a big raid by the Kiwis and actually pinned up by seven horses, six horses from Calvin Tyler and Amy Tyler from Southland. Incredible. Great interest in that Queensland Carnival coming up. We'll talk more about that with Louis. Uh, during the week as we head towards the big races. Time now to pop across to uh, Brennan Popwell at the TAV, who will also be seriously interested in the Queensland Carnival coming up. BP, a uh, great time for racing, it seems. Uh, within the calendar, there's never too many quiet weeks. <laughs> no, never. Uh, really, it isn't, uh, Smithy. And, uh, that, that carnival is is going to be a big one for the, for the New Zealanders. There's a lot of horses from the Pike Barn and Mark Walker, uh, Marsh, yeah, it's a great chance to be able to um, tune in and watch the Kiwis fly. Just around some Kiwi horses too, I'll go straight to the Warnable Carnival, which starts today. And on the first two races, we have the bonus back uh, in operation. And in the first race, a former New Zealander is in that race in Portland, Jimmy, who has been very well backed into $1.85. His first start over jumps, but he is the go in the first race on a three-day carnival out of Warnable. Make sure you tune in for Rick McIntosh's calls because... Uh, they are absolute beauty. I don't know how he gets to Thursday by the way that he calls his races. Um, Smithy, we'll also jump to the NBA before we duck off. Uh, the 76 is in the heat. The heat of 127. We've had 4,500 on them at minus 4,500 at 192. But we've had some money for the 76ers, 3,000 uh, to cover the spread at 7.5 points at $1.90. And onto the Mavericks and Suns, we've had money for both teams. 290 Mavericks, Suns, $1.39. Oof, don't know which way to go. Don't know which day to go. Dallas Mavericks, Phoenix Suns. Suns are the hot favourites today. Don't know about that. Thanks, BP. Uh, we shall be talking netball after the break. We're going to go to speak to Helene Wilson, who is, of course, the head coach for the ultra-impressive Northern Mystics. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. From behind the stumps to behind the mic, nothing gets past Smithy. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It's 11.03, and yes, netball tonight on Centre Pass. Netball right now, too, uh, because uh, last night in the ANZ Premiership, the Northern Mystics moved back to the top of the netball ladder following a 56-44 win over the Waikato Bay of Plenty Magic. That was at Auckland's Event Finder Stadium. It's been a really tough season for the ladies having to deal with COVID disruptions uh, and what feels like an ever-changing schedule. But the good teams managed to come through that kind of adversity uh, and the best team at the moment, clearly, is the Northern Mystics. We're joined by their head coach uh, right now, Helene Wilson. Helene, thanks for your time this morning. Thanks for having me. Good to be here. Yeah, nice to talk netball too, because uh, it has been uh, a Mickey Mouse sort of a thing. I mean, we've had to deal with this in our lives uh, for so long now. It seems to be the norm. I hate to say that word, but uh, for, for netball teams, netball squads, it has, uh, they haven't escaped, have they? 
No, they haven't. And I think um, sometimes with with challenges in life, it's the way you approach it and your attitude around it. And um, if you can manage to frame the disruption as an opportunity to give other people um, time to play, new combinations, you know, bloody new players, there's lots of ways you can look at it. And I think we've tried to approach it as positively as we can. Would you have any idea how many players you've had to use uh, outside your normal squad this year? Yeah, we've we've used three of our NNL players outside of our contracted ten. So, um, Karis Stice is a young young player who's been with us pretty much the whole season. But we've also used our other training partner and uh, another NNL player. But I think for some teams, if they've had a high number of players out at the same time, they've had to bring more players in. Whereas we've tend to have sort of three, two or three players out with it at a time. So we've been managed to keep playing throughout the season. Okay, let's look at uh, last night's performance. 12 goal margin in the end. Uh, were you happy with the way things went? Yeah, I was actually. It was a 15 goal turnaround from the last time we played them as we lost by three goals. So really happy that we ended up getting on top of them. And Magic are a really hardy team. They they play right to the bitter end. They're really relentless defensively. So I think we, we really absorbed that pressure well and built each quarter. So really pleased we were able to do that. Helene, it wasn't that long ago we were talking about Grace and Wiki as uh, a newcomer, some to watch, someone to watch out for. I think we're talking in different terms about her now. Uh, incredible uh, shooting performance last night, 47 from 50, but becoming a mainstay very quickly. Yeah, she is. And look, she the thing about Grace that I think is really special is she loves shooting. And when she's under pressure, she wants the ball in her hand. So as a coach, you want to shoot her like that. But she can jump, um, she can hold space, she can rebound. And, um, you know, when she's got great feeders outside of her and a goal attack, wing attack and centre, they can make her look really good. So a great unit and um, every team needs a scoring machine and so we're happy to have her. Also, uh, in terms of um, your, I guess your, your, I won't say your main players because as a, coach, as a head coach you hate uh, isolating uh, individual players, but Sula Fitzpatrick uh, is, mm-hmm. uh, seems to be a born leader. Um, and uh, mm. she's leading from the goalkeeper position really well. Yeah, she is, and um, I think the thing that everybody loves about Salor is, you know, she wants to do her own job well first, and, you know, last night she got 15 games for her team out of 28, and that's 50% of the ball we turned over she got, and when you've got a leader that does her own job first but also cares about others, and wants to bring out the best in others, you know, it's a recipe for success. So um, the maturity she shows and the, the care and leadership she shows is, is one of the reasons actually we are really successful as a team. And one of the reasons uh, netball is such, uh, I think, an engaging presence is because uh, the, the women that play it, or coach it for that matter, uh, have to be real all-rounders. You have to juggle netball parenting duties, all sorts of other things that uh, blokes haven't had to do traditionally over the years. Uh, Phoenix Karaka, Phoenix Karaka has to do that without uh, without her partner Patrick being around. Yeah, yeah, she she's actually doing really well and um, I think one of the things that makes mums really special is your ability to acknowledge th- how challenging it can be and 
working together with your teammates and your coach um, to ensure that you can be prepared to play. And I think Phoenix is juggling that really well for the first time. It's interesting, isn't it, when you look at the dynamics now of, of netballers as such. I mean, it used to be in those days, those grubby old days, where you have a family, that's the end of your career. Now it's just, now it's just a little uh, time out in your career for, for most of them because of the, of the conditioning, I guess, the training methods, etc., and, and the, the outlook mm. on the game. Yeah, and I think that's really positive. Um, you know, they've got a lot of specialists around them to help them progress back from pregnancy. So, you know, it is a, just a small chunk of time out from the game. But also there's something really special about having kids in and around your environment. You know, when you're under pressure and you're playing sport, to have a little baby to make you smile and just remember what life's all about, I think it's really positive. And I think... My six years of coaching at Mystics, every year we've had someone's child, there's, there's been a mother there, and I think it just adds a really beautiful dynamic to our environment. Sure does, it really does, uh, and I love to see the kids at the games too, it's something really special. Uh, hey look, the Central Pulse have gone well, haven't they? They've, they've started to stand out uh, just a little bit more, and they're, they're genuine threat. Yeah, they absolutely are, and um, you know, we, we met them twice at the start of the season, so we, both teams were still hitting their straps at that time and now we're, we're going to meet them in the last game of the season. But, you know, when you look at their side, they've got a really experienced coach. There's seven players that have taken the court. Six of them are really experienced ANZ players and they've played together for a long time. And so, you know, we've always said right from the start that they are a genuine threat. And I think there's three or four teams that are really putting their hand up um, at the moment to, to be in that final series. So... Hard to know with a draw all over the place and play, a team's playing, you know, different amounts of games at the moment. So you have to take every game as a must-win game. And some of those games, as you say, because of the congested nature of the draw and the fact that it's changing, uh, come around pretty quickly, as is the case this weekend for you. You've got a, a very tough double header. Yeah, we do. And um, we've got two re rescheduled games in the next three weeks. So... Last night was the start of our seven games in, in four, um, three weeks, so not 14 days, it's 21 days, isn't it? So um, mm. having tactics and, and stars back-to-back, double-header, will be tough, and I think this is where a coach needs to rely on the strength of their, their contracted squad, and everyone needs to be ready to take the court and step up when the opportunity presents itself. So let's look at uh, that tactics game. What do you have to look out for there? What have you been working on during uh, the... Well, of course, you played last week. What, what will you be looking on from last, last night's game, actually, through uh, to this doubleheader weekend? What are the things you noticed last night you need to address? Yeah, we, um, we're really aware we're getting a lot of gains defensively, but some of our transition onto attack, we, we want to just be a little bit better than that. And... Um, make sure the ball that we get, we get down down to our shooting end. Um, it's been ping-ponging a bit with some of our just execution of our basic skill set. So we'll be working on that this week. We know against um, Tactics, you know, they've got some good um, players, defensive players that can, can gain ball and turn over ball like us. So if we're not accurate on attack against Tactics, it won't be as easy to get a lead um, on them. So that's really key. 
And then playing the Stars, we know why we beat them last time we played them quite convincingly. They won't show up like that again. You know, they've had a really good win against the Pulse this week. So I think both matches, we're going to have to just be really accurate on the position that we have um, in terms of retaining the ball. The Stars and the Mystics are still, as such, quite, quite new franchises uh, as we know them. But there you've got a local derby there. Is, is that feeling growing within the Stars and the Mystics, that comp- competitive feeling? Yeah, it is. And um, we liken it to like playing our sisters, you know, big sister versus little sister, whatever way you, you want to put it. A number of the players in the Stars and the Mystics have played for both teams. So when they come up against each other, it's a must win and it's a, a really passionate game. And... Um, yeah, I just think that makes it really super competitive every time we play them, and and we have the Northern Challenge, which which makes it extra special as well. So, a really tough match. We'll be playing out at um, Bruce Pullman Arena, so it will be in their territory. So hopefully we can get a lead early and keep the fans quiet. So the interesting thing too, of course, when you've got seven days and tw- uh, seven games, twenty-one days, that's a lot of netball. Uh, which means I guess you have to really pace yourself in terms of your strength, conditioning, your training, etc., because uh, that's a lot of game time and not a lot of downtime. Yeah, it is. And, you know, the work that you do leading up to this period of time is, is key. And managing those little niggles and injuries um, before they happen so that you prevent them from happening is key. So, we're really lucky we're going into this heavy period with a fully fit team, which is really great. Um, but it's also a really positive thing. Like I framed it to the girls, those are looking for sore fern selection in the Commonwealth Games. You play a large amount of games across a short period in Com Games. So this is great practice to see how they can back up their performance over a short period of time and it will really prepare them for, for that um, repetitive gameplay. So if you frame it like that, the girls just get stuck in, and let's be um, let's be honest, playing is more fun than training anyway, so I think they'll have smiles on their faces. Yeah, as sure as that hasn't changed over the years at all. Helene Wilson, thank you very much uh, for your time this morning. Absolutely uh, fantastic to talk netball with you. Uh, girls are going well. Long may it last. Yeah, thanks very much. Great to catch up. Yeah, cheers. Helene Wilson there, who is the... Head coach for the Northern Mystics doubleheader this weekend uh, when, uh, of course, they take on the Tactics Saturday, the Stars on Sunday. Busy time for netball in the ANZ Championship. Busy time for cricket coming up very shortly too. We announced that exciting announcement this morning that we will be covering uh, the cricket in terms of radio coverage, ball by ball, England against New Zealand. Three test matches beginning the June the 2nd at the home of Cricket Lords. One of the commentators uh, in our group of commentators, of course, will be uh, the legendary Jeremy Coney, one of the very, very best that's ever been on the radio, for my money anyway. I'm sure a lot of New Zealand cricket fans would agree with that. SCNZ, we've got him, and we've got him very shortly here. uh, At uh, 11.20, we'll come back with Jerry Coney. We'll take a short break now. Your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. It is 11.20 here on SENZ, and exciting news this morning. We're, uh, we here at SENZ, and along with our uh, senior partner in Australia, SEN, announced the fact that uh, we would have coverage of the England versus New Zealand Test Series. 
uh, beginning uh, June the 2nd uh, through to June the 6th at Lords, uh, going through to uh, Nottingham at Trent Bridge June 10th through to June 14th, and June 23rd to June 27th at Headingley. Uh, and traditionally, uh, the three grounds that New Zealand have done okay at over the years, to be fair, one at all of them. So uh, that's good news going into that. The best news of all, though, is in terms of our coverage, we have the best in the business. Jeremy Coney, uh, who was uh, without doubt, for me anyway, uh, the best radio broadcaster uh, that ra- uh, cricket has got anywhere around the world, along with uh, Jonathan Agnew and his, his teamwork with the likes of Brian Waddle has been brilliant. Jeremy, good morning to you. Thanks for joining us, mate. Hello, Smithy. How are you going? I'm, I'm bloody good, mate. I'm absolutely fantastic. You're going to have some late nights coming up here. Uh, if you're broadcasting out of New Zealand, we're going to have a lot of late nights uh, ourselves listening. Yeah, well, that's the time difference, Smithy. Um, but it'll, it'll, it'll be okay. It'll be okay over there, as you mentioned. Got a few good people to work with. There's uh, you know Aggers, don't you? And Norcross, of course. He's the kind of the replacement for Henry Blofeld. Uh, guys like Simon Mann and, and Tufnell will make you giggle once in a while and, and all that sort of stuff. So, and it's discursive too, isn't it? Stories. Uh, TMS has always been a bit like that, Test Match Special. Um, not just the cricket, although that's the main point of it all, obviously, but a bit of, bit of humour here and there. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Once again, I've now formed quite a relationship with them, so I guess um, the poor old punters over there, they go, oh, the hell, there's that Coney again. <laughs> there's that Coney again. Uh, I tell you what, the majority of punters absolutely love it, Jerry. Uh, the, and the fact of the matter is, is it is discursive, as you say, and it, uh, aside from television, it gives you uh, quite a lot more freedom. Yep, it does. Uh, little stories, things that happened on the way to the game, some things totally unrelated, or you see something on the field of play that reminds you of a, an incident years ago in Bahawalpur, if you were ever there. Um, and, um, <laughs> away you, and, and, and kind of away you go. You know, um, and, and you stop, obviously, when the bowler bowls the delivery and then on with the story again. And it sweeps through quite often almost the, the entire time that you're on for your sort of half an hour, depending on how much you want to sort of tease it through. You know, you'd be good at that. Mm. <laughs> well, I tried it. I tried it, uh, Jerry, in the Women's World Cup, and I found it an incredibly different discipline. Uh, it's not something I'm used to. It's not something, I mean, you do, when you're in television, you take it for granted that people can see things, don't you? In radio, you cannot have that liberty. No, it is much more of a, a descriptive kind of version and, and memories um, and trying to inform people in a different way. TV was very succinct. It's terse. It's, you know, and I don't mean that in a bad way at all. I mean, it is to the point. And you've got so many people in your ear um, and you're a part of a long chain of things from the cameraman right through to yourself and directors and so on. So that was the sort of the, the world you grew up in, really. You, you left the field and found that that was your way, and that was fantastic. I loved listening to you. And um, so, uh, yeah, it's just very different. And as you say, it takes quite a difference to change, to flick the switch and go somewhere else and try and do something differently. Yes, it's the art of painting a picture for the viewer, whether they're driving down the road, whether they're lying with their head on the pillow, whether they're just sitting up listening over a beer or a cup of coffee, a nice uh, glass of, of uh, Chardonnay or something, Jerry. But the, the, one of the things about commentary is you have, to, you have to adjust as well because 
uh, you're always working with different people. And, and I suppose when, you're, when you work with people like Agnew, like Waddle, for a long, long time, you know you know by inclination and voice, etc., when they're going to finish, etc. But sometimes in commentary, it takes time to get those partnerships, like anything in life, I guess. Yeah, the other thing is, too, you tend to have a different kind of microphone, Smithy, as you know. Instead of those ones that you put down and pick up and put it and use it in the telly, you can see, I mean, the rule was if you want to say something, pick it up and as if you're going to talk. And there's almost out of the corner of your eye, you can see if someone wants to say something and you can sort of wind up very quickly. You can't do that in radio because you've got that one with the earphones on and the, and the microphone round in front of your mouth. Um, so it does, you do need to know the person beside you a little bit more. Um, but I've worked with a lot of these people before, and so I think I've kind of got to know most of them by now. There are some new ones. Um, uh, Isha Gool, though, she's, she's appearing in lots of, you know, cricket mediums, isn't she? I mean, she's uh, around quite a lot in different parts of the world. She is fantastic. Absolutely, probably uh, mm. hands down. One of the best I've worked with um, uh, over a long period of time. She's so professional, Jerry. Uh, you uh, enjoy working uh, uh, along with uh, uh, Ishigua, of course. Now, hey, hey, let's uh, just for a second, okay, can we look at the matchup? Uh, England have finally got a test captain, which is nice. Uh, we're not quite sure when ours is arriving, but, but things change. Yeah, we don't even know who's going yet from New Zealand, do we? Um, one imagines that the past will inform the present and that there's a platform of stability that the selectors have always used and they've had decent results generally too. So, you know, it'll be prudent, I think, and pretty similar. I think that there are, we're told there's 15 going um, and assuming everyone's fit and available... Uh, I guess there's really only place I can see for sort of that 15th man that you'd sit around the table and say, hey, come back, stop making the tea. We need a bit of a discussion here. Um, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll obviously miss Taylor, I think. You know, he's been fantastic, but that might give old Will Young another go. He didn't play at Lords last time. Um, I think the batsmen kind of picked themselves, Smithy. Um, mm-hmm. Right from Latham, Young, Williamson, Conway, Nichols, Blundell, that sort of sort of arc, and then De Grandom and Mitchell as your all-rounder type player. Although Mitchell can go up in that batting order if you want. I'm not sure whether Young's an opener personally, but never mind. Um, there's uh, the bowlers. I think will be fairly predictable as well, don't you, Jack? Jeremy Kane dropped out there, folks. Looks like uh, Jerry's dro- yeah, dropped out, so uh, we might have to call it quits there, but it was great catching up with uh, Jeremy Coney. Um, yeah, something uh, has uh, has just gone wrong there. Uh, we, we, we've got uh, Stump Smithy coming up, so uh, we're pretty busy on our phone lines as well. It was great to catch up with Jerry. We will do again. I promise you we'll get Jerry on uh, with an extended preview towards that series closer to the time, uh, but uh, we shall uh, perhaps uh, take a quick break uh, I think give us a thumbs up if you can, guys. We'll take a break now and head uh, into the news. And then uh, we'll uh, get 0800-150-811 out there. That's our, our phone line, of course. And we shall uh, get uh, you on the line for the second time this morning. It's been great to, to chat to people uh, with a stump smithy. Uh, for grabs this morning, we've got the sleep drops, of course. And we always also got the chance to win 50 bucks worth of uh, vouchers from the TAB. Already the calls are coming through. We'll look forward to talking to you very shortly.
The all-new SCNZ is Kiwi for sport. Ian Smith's had a good match here. Stumped by Smithy. Ian Smith really is top class at his job. Yes, it is that time of morning. That time of the morning on SNZ Mornings with Ian Smith. Pad up and grab your bat because it's time to get stumped by the great man. Up for grabs today is $50 of our TAB bonus bet vouchers and some sleep jobs daytime revive. They are New Zealand's only specialist range of sleep and stress support supplements. Smithy, joining us at the crease first, we have Kitty from the Manawatu. Come in, Kerry. How you doing, mate? Morning, Kerry. Yeah, morning, Kerry. Uh, all the best, mate, uh, coming from the mighty green machine. How are you looking this year when it comes to that provincial rugby? Staffy's boys, looking all right? Uh, yeah, we're looking good, mate. We'll, we'll definitely get the field in the cabinet this year. So, yeah, maybe semi-final. So, yeah, no, we're looking good, Smithy. You would have got more chance of the proverbial than getting the shield off <laughs> us, man or two. I can promise you that. And you've got more chance... You got more chance of getting the sleep drops and the fifty bucks. You got to get in the shield. Good luck to you, Kerry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck to you, mate. Here are today's topics for you, Kerry. Bathurst, oh, actually, in Beth- Bathurst, it's all it's a Greg Murphy special. I'll tell you that. Uh, netball or basketball? Take your pick. Oh, oh. I got Bathurst. Timely, because obviously we had the great man Greg Murphy on the show earlier today. Murph is iconic in those supercar circles, as is the famous number that adorns his car. What is that number, Kerry? 51. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. That was just a warm-up, Smithy. Would you have that one? No. I, I had, for some reason I had 57 in my mind. I knew it was in the 50s, but 51, okay. 51, uh, one, zero. One, zero to Kerry. All right, up to question two. Who was Greg Murphy's co-driver the last time he raced Bathurst in 2014? Um, okay. Um, oh. Courtney. Is that your final answer? No. Just a couple of chips down the wicket, right in the slot, and away it goes. A bit of a delay there, but yes, Aussie James Courtney as part of the Holden Racing Team finished 13th there. Smithy, how are you liking your Bathurst knowledge? Not liking it at all, but I've got one last chance, so that's if uh, Kerry gives me a chance, so... Uh, he's on track at the moment, so uh, give us the last one. Come on. Yeah, the moment you're knocking me around the park here, Kerry. Last question. Greg Murphy raced in the Holden, in a Holden Commodore every time he competed at Mount Panorama, except for the first time in 1994. What was the make of that car? 1994. Um, I'll have to go forward then. Yeah, I'll go forward. One of the worst things I have ever seen done on a cricket field. There you go, Smithy. Not a Ford, obviously not a Holden. What was the make of that car in 1994? Oh, God. Um, Let me think about this. Ford, Holden, 
So it's not a Mustang. It's not a Holden. Commodore. Uh, God, what other car manufacturers are there? I wouldn't think Toyota would be a great rally car. I uh, wouldn't think Mazda would be a great rally car. Um, God, no. Um, I'll go crazy. I'll go, I'll go, I'll go Toyota. Crazy. That's a couple of chips down the wicket. Oh. Right in the slot, underway it goes. <laughs> you hear the excitement there in, in uh, Brian's voice there. It was a Toyota, a Toyota Carina. Uh, the last time, really? yeah, you got it right, mate. 1999 was the last time Toyota appeared. Because, but yeah, 1994, Greg Murphy raced a Toyota Carina at Mount Panorama for Bathurst. So hey, stumped, oh mate, stumped. I feel sorry for Kerry. I really do because that was an out and out fluke. I just I tossed up between them, Mazda. I was thinking Italian cars. I was thinking, ah, they wouldn't have those at Bathurst. Um, I had Subaru on my mind, but that's a rally car. Uh, oh, God, I don't know. In the end, Toyota, because it's the most common car on the road back in those times. That's the only reason I went for it, uh, Kerry. I almost apologise to you, but being from Manawatu, I really don't, if you know what I mean. Unreal. Unreal. That was like a drop goal to win the shield, eh? <laughs> like a chippy Seminoff uh, conversion to take the shield off you in the 48th minute of the second half. Disgraceful. Yeah. Kerry, thanks for your time this morning. We shall have another Stump Smithy uh, tomorrow morning, folks, at around about uh, the same time, around about 11.30. Uh, make sure you listen to that tomorrow, of course. Uh, sleep Drops will still be there, but it'll be worth 100, 100 bickies, 100 big ones tomorrow, so uh, worth playing for. It is uh, coming up to 11.37 here on SENZ. After the break, we shall have our Mount Rushmore. We've had some great feedback, great feedback on terms of uh, who your great uh, league players have been over the years. Uh, just a wet whistle going into it. Uh, Brian has come in with Andrew Johns, Laurie Daly, Wally Lewis, and Gene Miles. Gene Miles, a great Bronco. So there you go. Uh, so we'll uh, give ours, and you can perhaps have a little more input yourself. Double eight, double three. Polaris has shiploads of vehicles arriving every month. Visit your local Polaris dealer today. Summer or winter, he's the voice of sport in Aotearoa. This is Mornings with Ian Smith on SENZ. Uh, 11.42 and here we go with our Mount Rushmore for this week and we asked you for your input and we got plenty. Thank you very much on the, the greatest league players in your mind. Now, of course, the pool is so deep and uh, it's just so enriched with great uh, league talent over the years going back through the eras that we're always uh, always going to have the points of differential. But here we go. Uh, I'm going to start with my one. I went for a little guy, a big guy, a genius and a tough guy. Little guy. Big guy, tough guy, genius, and not so much in that order. But here's my little guy. Here's my little guy. You'll still see him actually out on the park, this little guy. He's a water boy for the Brisbane Broncos, and he's never really been interested in anyone else. Lang up, danger, danger. Lang is over, is he? Yes. Lang gets a try. Capping a magnificent game. Yeah, how good's this? Alan Lang up. Had some critics. Wayne Bennett had some critics. That just answered them. The little fella. He's done it. 
How would you ever have critics with Alfie Langer? 457 games, 160 tries, 685 points. Clive Churchill medal in 92. Dally M medal in 96. Dally M halfback of the year, 9088, 9094, 9096. Uh, finals man of the match uh, for that Clive Churchill, by the way. Uh, 1992, 93, 1997, 1998, and Australian captain for two tests as well. A little genius, tough cookie. Honestly, there was nothing to him in terms of his body. He was so short. He didn't weigh that much. I think it was about 78 kilos ringing wet. But 75 of those uh, 78 kilos were heart. Heart. <laughs> Alfie Langer. No problem. Great call there, Smithy. Uh, I remember Alfie Langer as one of the first players to... When I see him uh, growing up as a rugby league fan, and I think of the Brisbane Broncos, we, we heard about Gordon Tallis from Ross Carl, but Alfie Langer as well. Man, great player. My first one on our Mount Rushmore is a bit more recent, uh, and I think this would be the most recent one that I have. Uh, I just can't go past him. He's one of the greatest to ever play for the Kiwis, but also one of the greatest to play for the West Tigers. And man, when you think of Benji Marshall, you think of this play. Hodson taken by Norton. He took him late. Marshall skips away. Marshall skips away. Marshall's still going. Marshall's got Richards coming up outside. Now inside. Richards pursued. He pushes Jensen away. Pat Richards. Pat Richards has scored a magnificent try. Link to the field stuff. And from that moment on in the 2005 Grand Final, everyone tried to emulate the Benji Marshall flick pass. 346 games, 96 tries, 1,232 points, 12 tests as the Kiwi captain. Of course, the 2008 Rugby League World Cup, the 2010 Golden Boot Award for Best International Player, Benji Marshall. Yeah, don't argue with that. I don't argue with that. I'll be honest with you, haven't got a Kiwi in my group. Have not got a Kiwi in my group. Got a great Canberra Raider, though, and he's my big man, my big strong guy in the midfield, one of the greats. 517 games, 291 tries, 3,255 points because he was a fair goal kicker as well. Not a great goal kicker, a fair goal kicker. Made you nervous from time to time, didn't he? An immortal in 2018. The great Mel Meninga. They are not concerned about life and limb. Neil! And caught up brilliantly by Meninga. That saved the try. Certain try there. Neil was in for a certain try. Graham Hughes there with his call. So we're getting some great leg callers as well. Rabs Warren before uh, Graham Hughes. So for me, Mel Meninga just has to make it. What a great bloke as well. Yeah, he sure is. Uh, he does a lot of great things for rugby league uh, over in Australia now uh, to, to keep growing that game and get kids involved too. My next one, Freddie Fittler. I just, I when I, again, when I think about players, when I grow up, he is one of the first that come to mind. Uh, he was just outstanding. 448 games, 166 tries, and 709 points. And you just talked about Mal Meninga. Well, this is uh, a very young Freddie Fittler running them down. Walker dummy. Kicked ahead by Barwick. Look out. Here comes Fittler. Fittler on. Meninga, great tackle. The young bull against the old bull. 19 years of age in his second grand final, he brings down the king. Oh, that was great because he, uh, he won premierships in 1991 and 2002, captain Australia in 25 tests, Daly M, centre of the year in 1992 and 93, lock of the year in 94. 
Dallium, 5 eighths of the year, 1998, 99, and 2002, as Sam Ackman said. He, he just did so much, especially uh, in the lock position. Just such an iconic player, and of course, now a coach. Yeah, I think we've got it one in common here, and I, 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 we just had to have him in because uh, this fellow was uh, simply the genius. He is the genius in my group. Uh, I didn't put Andrew Joey Johns in my group. Uh, I tossed up between him and this guy uh, because this is, uh, to me, just a fantastic. And the, uh, the thing that really swung it, unbelievable ability to kick goals from anywhere. The big hook kick, the hook kick from JT, Jonathan Thurston, won 323 games. 90 tries, 2,220 points. Almost seemed he retired too young. He took a battering. He was able to uh, bounce back from his batterings. He was a brilliant, brilliant player for the Cowboys. What a duration he had for them. Uh, of course, he could have gone to a lot bigger, more high-profile clubs, but he stuck it out with the Cowboys. Uh, he also, of course, was uh, terrific for Queensland and the Kangaroos. This is Jonathan Thurston. The first grand final golden point. Thurston to choose from with Coote. He hits it. He's got it. He's got the field goal. He's got the premiership. He has gone from a captain to a legend and probably rugby league immortality. Yeah. There you go. It's JT. It'll echo those sentiments. He's in your lot. Oh, absolutely. JT Jonathan Thurston, he's just so iconic. Like you say, I mean, yeah, he started off with the with the Bulldogs three seasons there, but it really found his home with the North Queensland Cowboys. And he was just cool as you like, calm under pressure. He just knew how to lead that team and really just deliver the results. But there is one more thing about JT before I get to my number one that is iconic, Smithy. It's his laugh. <laughs> just laughs like a kookaburra <laughs> it's brilliant uh, I love absolutely that brilliant. Uh, yeah, it always puts it. a smile absolutely on my face yeah uh, so my number one yeah we, we've heard this a lot from our uh, listeners texting in on the uh, temper bedpost text machine Andrew Joey Johns I mean I love Matty Johns but you can't go past Andrew Johns. Just when you think about iconic players, Newcastle Knights, he's probably one of the ones that I watched as a kid growing up in the 90s, and I was like, man, rugby league is awesome. Joey Johns. Johns is dangerous. Johns. Dummies. He breaks the line. Johns has gone to the pretty. Johns chances the kick. There's plenty of chases. They've got to try out of it. There's a try for Gastia. It's over. New South Wales. They have won 32 to 10. It's a record win for the Blues in Brisbane. Now that, that was State of Origin 2 back in 2005, which Joey Johns himself has described as probably his most memorable uh, game of origin because that's when he came back from injury and just absolutely blitzed Queensland. So he is at the top of my uh, Mount Rushmore. Smithy made an immortal in 2012, and he just has to be. Mm, just has to be. Uh, I, I don't have any problem with uh, Andrew Johns whatsoever. Uh, I don't have any problem with uh, problem with Matthew Johns either. To be fair, I think they're both uh, great blokes and have been great for league over the years. Minor hiccups along the way, but who doesn't? Uh, this guy had uh, had a reputation. My number one for just being dumb man. Don't mix with this guy. Don't mess with him. Don't argue with him on the field or off the field because when he speaks, you listen, and when he does, you follow. Uh, this, to me, was an easy choice. I'm going back to the 60s and the 70s. 
for nine, my number one. To Beaton. Beaton will be there, he'll score. Arthur Beaton scores the first try of the match. We'll see the try coming up. Comments from Jim Lyle. What a dynamic little footballer Russell Fairfax is. There's not much of him, but he just refused to go down. He stood up as long as he could and Beaton loomed up. as the only Beaton can do and his fear weight took him over the, ground, over the line. There you go. Artie Beatson. Artie Beatson, eh, Logan? Uh, but, but as soon as you brought this up to me last night, Smithy, I was like, yeah, you cannot go past that. An Immortal in 2003, that was from the 1974 grand final that you heard. Uh, I used to do a lot of Supercoach NRL stats back in Australia, fantasy, and we, we ran the score on that. And, of course, he scored a try. He assisted a try. He had 12 offloads, a line break, five line break assists, made 22 tackles, and busted two. So just out and out, an amazing performance there. And, you know, leading uh, with premierships in 65, 74, and 75, and eight tests for the Aussies. Mate, just has to be number one. I think that's a great call from you. Artie beats him. Yep, number one for me. Number one after uh, midday for us is Mark Stafford. He's next here on SENZ in the morning. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com.